Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting around the world on the World Wide Web. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. The most listened to radio show on the planet. Even the other stations are tuned in too. Oh yeah. Broadcasting live from the Joe's Network Studios in downtown Medina, Tennessee. It's that time of week again. It's time for the Josie Show. Bringing you the most exciting music news and guests from around the world. Right here on the Josie Show. Please make welcome the beautiful, the talented, the lovely, America's radio sweetheart, Mrs. Josie Asentino Boone. Thursday. I am so excited. We have a great interview for all of you. We have two country hit makers on one show. <laughs> I mean, what could be better than that? Honestly, there's nothing better than that. Uh, so I'm so excited to bring you my interviews tonight with Lacey J. Dalton, who I'm sure you all recognize from her hit Black Coffee and 16th Avenue. And then, of course, we have Bobby G. Rice which I'm so excited about, and I'm sure you know him from his song, You Lay So Easy on My Mind. So I'm so excited for this. Let me bring on my first guest, Lacey J. Dalton. I definitely want to talk a little bit about everything that you have going on. First off, the Country Music Cruise, because you were there with so many of the people that I have chatted with, like Tim Atwood and so many incredible friends of ours. And I wanted to talk about that because that looked like such a great time. For those who never attended the Country Music Cruise, what did you all get up to? It sounded, it looked great. Oh, it was so fun. I don't get back to Nashville nearly enough to see the people who I kind of grew up with in country music. I'm kind of like the weird cousin that lives on the West Coast. <laughs> so, so when I come to see, when I come to Nashville, it's I usually haven't seen people for a number of years, and it's almost like a family reunion. It's really fun. I had so much fun. We had, I was there. We Timmy Fortune was was uh, on the boat. We've done a lot of wonderful stuff together. David Frisell, my mm-hmm. like a brother to me, and there's T. Graham Brown and yeah. and T. G. Shepard and Laurie Morgan, and it was just so wonderful to see everybody. And I got to meet some incredible songwriters, mm-hmm. uh, like Bobby Comberland, right, and Tony Hazel, and hear their songs. And I was so inspired by the the songwriters. I mean, there were some just absolutely incredible songwriters on the tour and we did a bunch of um, guitar pulls and that happens and that is getting to be something that people are really attending i mean at one point we it's a rather small room where we do these guitar pulls but people were just completely packed out in the hall you know to hear everybody's uh, stuff that they don't necessarily, some of those things are, you know, like had been huge hits for people like George Strait and Reba McIntyre and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But um, we also get to do stuff that they will likely never hear. They lo- And they absolutely love it. And it's so fun and so inspiring to hear the deep thought and the ex- life experiences that go into the writing of these songs. These, these writers have lived 
what they're writing about. And they are usually pretty wonderful about talking about it. And so they're, it's a very open form. It almost feels like you're in their living room, kind of like your show. Yes. Oh, it's such an inspiration, isn't it? And I love, I love how wow. you know, laid back it is. You know what I mean? Like you, it's like a big family. Honestly, everyone's able to just share their love for music, and to sit back and share their experiences, their stories. You can learn a lot from so many people. I've noticed at the Country Music Cruise, and uh, it just looks like a lot of fun. I've seen all the pictures, and I was oh. I was like, ooh, I want to be there next year. I'm coming. <laughs> you know what? You should you should come on and do your show live from there. That's what I'm saying. I would be honored. It looked like a I lot know, of fun. I'm sure they would. I am absolutely certain that they would be open to that. Oh, I would to love To have that. People, you know, it would be great advertising for Star mm-hmm. Vista, for the people who put it on. And um, it would be so wonderful for the artist to be filmed. Yes. Um. Yeah, particularly at these song polls. I mean, everybody gets their shows filmed, and that's, you know, just something that happens. But these um, intimate things with artists, and we did a one we did this <laughs> women's panel. Yes. And it was it was hysterical. I mean, I wish you had been there because it was so, it was so funny. I mean, the, the things that came out, you know, <laughs> with entertainers are pretty, you know, they, they're well-traveled, and mm-hmm. they're pretty... Uh, they get to see a lot of life. And so when they're sharing their stories on this women's panel, it's just, it's so entertaining. And that would be a fun thing for you as well, for your show. I, yeah. I just think you'd have a blast. I think you have a blast. I have a hard time on the cruises because I get seasick a lot. Do you? Okay. See, I, that I didn't know. So I'm fighting that the whole time. And I can't <laughs> really take anything. When you take the Gramamine or the Scopolamine or yeah. the, this bonine or whatever, it doesn't just dry your throat out. It it dries your voice out. Oh, yeah, you can't and have that. Also, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really weird. I sounded like Janis Joplin for the entire thing. It was okay because I love Janis Joplin. Yes. It was, uh, you know, and you also feel kind of underwater and stoned from the stuff. Right. So it was, you know, it's uh, they're not they're not the easiest venue for me to play, but it's so wonderful to see everybody and get to hug their necks and you know everybody's been through so many, many things since you've seen them when you haven't seen them for ten years. People, that's they've gone through some changes, and it's interesting to hear, you know, how they've managed those challenges and how they've been able to uh, survive and keep going with their music. It's it's incredible. That's so incredible. People, songwriters, artists, they all evolve. You know what I mean? They all grow. And that's pretty neat. That's a pretty neat thing to be able to witness. So I'm glad. I'm glad you had a great time. And definitely I will be there next year. <laughs> I want to be there. Well, I hope I get to be I hope I, hope I get too. to be on there when you're on there because I'd love to see you do what you do. Uh I think you'd have a blast. Uh, and you know, there's wonderful food and, and just to see everybody's show so easily. I mean you walk down a hall. You know, yeah. there's, you know, T. Grant Brown, or you walk into another room and there's David Frizzell. And, uh, <laughs> Jimmy Fortune did a thing out on the deck, and my manager was standing there in shorts and a T-shirt. Her name's Leslie. She was standing there, and he just did a sound check to see that the equipment was working, but he sang Amazing Grace. Mm. And I looked at her, and it was a warm day, and she had goosebumps all over her body arms and legs. I can imagine. You know, he's got such an anointed voice. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. really has what I call an anointed voice. Oh, he really does. 
Oh, my goodness. Yes, it sounds like an amazing time uh, for sure. It's definitely one of those things you have to go to at least once, and then I'm sure you'll be you'll be addicted and go back again and again. Um, but I, <laughs> I am, and I have. You know, and I, and I, I highly recommend it. I think if you love country music, and, and, you know, there are a lot of young artists there too, people that you don't, that you're not familiar with yet, that is, that is also a wonderful thing because um, – it's good to meet these young people coming up um, that maybe you haven't heard yet. Right. You know, maybe you haven't heard them on the radio. Maybe you haven't heard them uh, on television. Um, and it's great to, to just hear, especially some of the young songwriters that, you know, I wouldn't have known them. And a lot of people didn't know, uh, but they have written songs for other huge, hugely uh, visible artists. But to hear their their life experiences, these young people, what they've gone through in order to write such a such a song, is um, it's just fascinating. Yeah, the whole thing was just that it was, I got to take my sister, mm. and with these cruises, the entertainer gets and the people in your band each get to have a uh, they take a partner, and that partner doesn't have to pay mm-hmm. for the cruise. Mm-hmm. And so I got to take my sister, whom I don't see very often. And it was such a wonderful visit. We just had the best time. And I had some very good friends who went on the on the cruise as well. So we had a great time. Oh. It, was, it was really great. That's wonderful. I'm glad. I'm so glad you were able to bring your sister too. I just love it. And I, I just, I'm, I love you. I, your EP, it's on, on repeat, <laughs> if I'm honest. I've been oh. repeating it. It's so good. Scarecrow, for those who have not heard it, you really should. you got to get it on anywhere it's on every outlet you could stream it download it can you please tell us a little bit about your ep scarecrow and what listeners may hear on this ep it's so good scarecrow is a is one of the most unusual songs mm-hmm. i've ever written mm-hmm. and it came after i had a, a, a long marriage mm-hmm. um it was i was i lived with my husband for four years before i married him and then we lived together for 20 years and we had a very, very difficult divorce. It was one of those things where he was my business manager, and I always say, oh. he always said that if we broke up, that he would give me the business. Well, he gave me the business. <laughs> and, and Scarecrow, and, and it, was, it was hard. I was left in the desert with a house with no water. Mm. Um, a mortgage I couldn't possibly afford by myself, and you know I had these and all these dogs, and I didn't know where I would move that would allow me to to rent and have these. I had a lot of rescue dogs. I had rescued dogs for years and years and years, mm-hmm. and this is called the Six Dog Ranch. Mm. So I didn't. I had to figure out a way, and through really through the the grace of God, I really honestly. Through the grace of God, I was able to keep this beautiful, big post and beam house that I have up in the mountains above Reno, Nevada, near that old town of Virginia City. Oh, and I got to stay in this. I'm sitting here by a nice, it's, it's snowy here today, believe it or not. <laughs> and I have a nice fire in the fireplace, and, and one of the dogs is lying here uh, listening to me. Aww. But um, it, the Scarecrow was the, was the story of that. Uh, there's a video for that on YouTube. Mm-hmm. that uh, my friend Jimmy Jackson did for me. And it's very unusual. Um, it's not that it's kind of unexpected. You probably wouldn't expect to see what you see in the video mm-hmm. of Scarecrow, but I loved it. Mm-hmm. And the song, I was trying to get some backing 
to, because that, that was the most important song for me. There are other songs on that EP that I also love. But Scarecrow was the one I really wanted to get out. And I, I had written the song about 10 years before, and I couldn't sing it for about eight or nine years. I couldn't, I couldn't get through it without just breaking down and crying. I just could not get through it. Mm-hmm. And um, it, I had, it was the, the marriage was so special to me, and it was such a betrayal. Mm-hmm. Because it was not just physical and and, and uh, uh, spiritual, it was also financial. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. to have the rug completely pulled out of me, uh, under, from under me, at, at, at a kind of pretty far down the road. Right. And so that song, when you listen to it, that song is the story of that uh, descent into probably the very lowest point that I think I could ever reach and still be alive. So mm-hmm. that was, uh, it, you know, I don't know. I, I know a lot of people that have divorced and it's like, oh no, we just, it was great. You know, he, he was bored with it. I was bored with it. We all went on. He's got somebody, I've got somebody. Mm-hmm. For me, it was different. And, I, and my sister's the same way. I don't know what's wrong with us. But, <laughs> I mean, when we have a divorce, it's almost like we're losing a leg. Right. Or, uh, or becoming paralyzed from the waist down or something. I mean, it's, it's, uh, uh, it was a huge, tremendous shock. And of course I thought that I was the only person who'd ever felt that way. <laughs> right, right, right. Ridiculous. But I mean, you do, you just, you just feel like there, no one could possibly understand the anguish. But, uh, Scarecrow speaks to that. Mm-hmm. And it also speaks to getting clear of that and going, okay, looking back now, you were pretty, you know, you were pretty selfish. You know, you were, um, I may have been as well, but you were pretty, uh, pretty shallow and pretty selfish. And it was more really about what I had than who I was. Right. And that, you know, when I finally had enough distance to see that, it was also, that was also really painful to admit that. Oh yeah. That... But that's what's it. That's what's in that song. And that's why that song is what it is. And thank you for listening to it. I really appreciate it. And then there's another song on there called Earthquake. It's called It Takes an Earthquake Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Another good one. And and sometimes it does. And that's kind mm-hmm. of what happened to me with the divorce. There was an earthquake in my life, and it mm-hmm. it rattled me to the absolute nth degree that it could, and it, and it shattered the bedrock that I was standing on. Right. You know, my belief in love and my belief in a lot of things but what it did restored me to was my belief in spirit which overcomes everything exactly. i'm not a religious person i am mm-hmm. not a religious person mm-hmm. but i sure do love all it is the spirit that is in all of us yes and uh and uh, i'm working on a new project that speaks to that Ooh. it's called for the black sheep and um, I just uh, I just recorded the first song. I have uh, about four new songs that I've written for the project, and I have some songs that I had written in the past um, that I want to add on to this project. There's a song called "Standing Knee Deep in the River" and "Die in a Thirst," which uh, I don't know. It's a kind of obscure. It's on my uh, Last Wild Place anthology CD. Josie, that thing was kind of a miracle because I recorded in about. 2006 finished it um i think it was finally finished i added a bunch of songs to it 2019 um 
Board of the Spirit Awards and Strictly Country Magazine voted it the CD, Independent CD of the Year, and one of the songs was voted the Best Well-Written Song of 2019, and it was a surprise after all those years, and it was one that I produced in my own studio with my own players. I know that you you appreciate indie music, yeah. and I my ex husband, the one who Scarecrow is about, was an incredible sound engineer, right. a wonderful sound mm. engineer. He was very very good, and I had a wonderful producer who was a friend of mine named Tom Bocci, who had been the president of Warner Brother Records at one time. He did a wonderful job. We did it together, and it's exactly the way that I wanted it to be. But I did an earth friendly cover. I had a booklet inside. <laughs> Somebody wanted me to do a 12 um, CD deal after I made that one. Oh, yeah. By, by somebody up in Washington. He said, only you can't have the kind of package that you have on this because it would put me out of business. Oh, no. <laughs> it, because it was a it was an earth-friendly cardboard and inside was a uh, booklet that had the lyrics and the stories of all the songs. I got you. So I got to do it once exactly the way I wanted to do it. And I was so thrilled that after 13 years of being out, under-promoted, of course, because I was the promoter and I really am not. (laughs) I have to admit that is not my strong suit. But the fact that it did get those those accolades. And um, people who have bought it will come back and buy. I've worn it out. I need more. I need another one. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm I'm pleased with that. And the EP... the EP was kind of the beginning of a project. It's, I don't think I'm finished with what, that that collection of songs that's on that EP. Um, somebody called, my doctor called me and said, you know, of all the songs on that CD, I like It Takes an Earthquake Sometimes, the very best. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, because that, when especially as you get older, there are times when something comes into your life, Josie, and I'm sure it has already with you. Mm-hmm. Comes into your life and just, I mean, it's like spirit smacks you right in the middle of the forehead with a baseball bat. Right. And sometimes that's what it takes to get us to change and grow yeah. and move toward the light and yeah. grow toward the light. It can also work the opposite way. It can put you, it can knock you down and, and sometimes people can't get up. Right. Fortunately, I have always felt that if I put my hand out, that the Holy Spirit would be there to take it. Yeah. And I have never found that to fail, ever. Mm-mm. And I have had some trials. Someday, I may write a book because I don't think people, I, I think if I told you this, some of the things that happened to me mm-hmm. after the after the divorce, it, they happened one after another, after another. Mm-hmm. And every time, Every time I had the faith to step off a cliff and take a chance on something, every time there was that hand there to grab hold of me and help me up. Mm. Every single time. And that is a lesson that you can only learn by having, you don't get big spiritual muscles without having big spiritual challenges. So, so when we have them, mm-hmm. you know, when we have them, we're instructed to to be joyous, and it's not easy. <laughs> it's like, mm. oh, thank you. Praise <laughs> you. This is terrific. You know, yes. this. But if you do practice the presence of spirit in the middle of difficulty, it'll pull you through. Oh, it will. And you're a testament to that. That is beautiful. And I'm I'm excited to see um, the new music that you have coming out because, like I said, your EP Scarecrow. 
you know, not many people would be able to, you know, talk about what, what you talk about. And I'm, I'm glad that you did and you made those risks because you could help so many others who feel um, or are in the same situation, in the same boat, that may feel, you know what, I'm not alone. Look at Lacey. Lacey went through that, the depths of it all, and she came back swinging, so to speak. And um, I'm glad, though, that you were brave enough to, to put out that EP, and I'm glad that there's going to be some more, and I'm looking forward to that. We will share it all over. And um, I, love, I love everything you do. And I was actually going to say, you need a book. You know, you're about the, if I, if I were more organized, you know, the problem is, I mean, you know, I, organization in administrative, uh, I, I'm administratively challenged, I think. Uh, I have a lot going on. You know, I have a, a foundation for wild horses. We raise money to um, rehabilitate and rescue and get horses, you know, rehomed that they're taking off the range that would ordinarily end up on, on somebody's dinner plate in Korea. So we have a, a foundation called the Lennon Run Foundation, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, we, and I know you have a foundation for pets as well, and I, you know, I know mm-hmm. that we meet on that, um, on that plane, uh, on a, on a, on a very, uh, copacetic sort of, uh, a feeling about animals. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's a very important thing to me. And then uh, I worked up at the prison in Susanville, a state prison up there, uh, one with a pretty rough re- reputation. Um, I worked up there for three and a half years teaching songwriting to 20 to life mm-hmm. um, inmates. And I never had one moment of fear. Mm-hmm. Those men were so grateful for the programs that we brought in because they hadn't had programs up there since the 80s. Mm. And I just stuck in their cell or stuck out in the yard working out. And um, we, I took my, I have a wonderful partner, uh, uh, music partner, who is uh, a very skilled uh, musician, and he teaches um, guitar and music theory. So he went with me, and he was teaching guitar and music theory, and I was teaching, you know, some kind, some forms of guitar and also songwriting. And we did a whole, we produced a whole um, musical theater project, um, a musical, and performed it at the end of the year. And the men wrote the songs that came up with the concept for the musical. And we performed that for the warden and a number of his guests. And the project was incredibly successful, mostly because we had the help mm-hmm. of some of the inmates who'd been in there for a, a long time. And were considered kind of like trustees. Mm-hmm. They had, they were uh, people who, you know, were uh, allowed to work with us to show us the ropes. How do you manage? The prison is a whole different world. It's like walking into some kind of medieval world. It's very, very different. Mm-hmm. Because the first thing that the sergeant said to me when I went in there, his name was Sergeant Smith, and I'll never forget him. He was wonderful. He said, "I want to tell you something, and I want you to remember it." We do not run this prison. Hmm. They do. Hmm. We just keep them from killing each other. Powerful. Hmm. And, you know, but going in there as a as an entertainer, mm-hmm. we didn't have that uniform. So mm-hmm. we didn't have to get across that barrier. Mm-hmm. We could just be with, uh, I told the, the men when they walked into our classroom, I said, first of all, this is going to be a diversified classroom. They're going to be people of every color. Somebody might even be light green or purple. Mm-hmm. We're not, that's not going to matter. The minute you come in that door, you forget about it. We're 
We're not, we don't see that in here. Mm-hmm. We're not going to, and if your gang won't let you be in this project, if, if they, uh, they're they not uh, willing to have you work with somebody from another race, then you can't do the project. Mm-hmm. You either have to, you either have to somehow uh, talk your gang people into letting you do it. And apparently they did, because we did have uh, people in there that were in various gangs. But when they knew when they came in that room with us, and my guitar player is still up there, my music partner, mm-hmm. he's been up there eight and a half years. He he loved it. I um, stopped at three and a half years because I was writing things and I wanted to be recording and I wanted to do right. this stuff that I'm doing. I do miss it. It's the best job I ever had. Mm-hmm. But those uh, those men were so respectful and so grateful that I never had a moment of fear. And that's Amazing. something to say in a 20-to-life prison. And, you know, a lot of the people who are inmates in those prisons, they come from really rough backgrounds. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of abuse when they're little kids. and I mean, all kinds of awful abuse. And they end up in there, um, and sometimes they have life sentences for something they've done when they were young. Mm-hmm. And they are they are able to be real rehabilitated. There are monsters in there that can never get out. They belong in there, and they need to be in there. Right. But that is by far the smallest uh, number of them. And I have to tell you, in the prison where I was, most of the people were people of color. Mm-hmm. I only had a couple of white students mm-hmm. the whole time I was there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it is uh, a little bit out of balance. And that may be, that may truly be because of uh, economic uh, inequalities and mm-hmm. you know poverty causes all sorts of of problems that we don't have if we're middle class and so i got a really good look at, at how we are in america i got a really good look at that part of it it made me a, a different person totally different because i remember thinking why are those guys what you know they've got color tv some of them and you know this and that and they have all these privileges what's that about well, once I got in there, I realized that even with all those things, prison is no damn fun. No, no it's, joke. It's mm-hmm. not a fun place to be. It's not a place you want to go. Mm-mm. So if you're out there listening to this show and you're doing stuff that's going to get you in prison, let me tell you, you don't want to go there. Mm-hmm. That's Even though prisons are more lenient now than probably they have ever been, in some places they aren't, and in some places there is uh, a lot of abuse, and even when there isn't, it's a very different environment than being out in the real world. Mm, so true. It's so true. If anybody's listening now, I mean, take take Lacey's word for it because she's seen firsthand. I want to, which brings me to this, because you, as many people know, you are an activist, uh, which leads me to a single that you recently released, I believe in 2020, which made me cry, called I Can't Breathe, which is available everywhere. Music is sold and streamed now. Can you tell us a little bit about this song? Well, the funniest thing about this song mm-hmm. is we checked the title before we wrote it because I thought this title, somebody's going to write this. Mm-hmm. Well, there are about five or six songs that we heard that had the title, but I didn't think any of them really did what I wanted to do with it. Right. And so I thought, I'm going to write this anyway, because it may not be addressed in in country music. It may not. Uh, and I think it should be. Um, and so uh, I wrote the song with my friend Jimmy Jackson, and he and I produced it in his little studio. It was so funny. <laughs> he 
was ailing at the time. He had, uh, he would have to take, he had, uh, what do they call that? It's a disease where you just kind of fall asleep. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember what it is. He was suffering from that, so we'd oh. be right in the middle of the take, and he'd go, I have to go, I have to go rest. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> but, yeah. but he did a great job, yeah. and the, the vocal that's on there is the original vocal that I had to put on first time I ever sang it, because we only had a limited time to be down in the Santa Cruz where we were recording it, mm-hmm. and we had to work around, you know, around poor Jimmy with his, uh, I forget what you call that, it's a sleep apnea. Yeah. yeah. Sleep apnea. And, and it's funny because my, my drummer from those days, uh, who worked with me for 33 years and still does occasionally, he has it too. And I never heard of it before, before these guys got it. But anyway, they're both from Santa Cruz, so maybe there's something in the water. But anyway, we got this thing recorded and, uh, put it out and, um, I thought there would be an awful lot of hate mail from it. Mm-hmm. But in fact, there were only a couple. Right. People say, oh, I will never play your, you know, I'll never play your music again. Because we were going to give all the money, uh, anything that was made, to the Equal Justice um, Project, which is, you know, having equal justice for people of color and, you know, anybody, white people, brown people, yellow people, any people. Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, just to make things fairer in the courts and with sentencing and so on. It's an effort to do that. It's a good organization. And people were, um, there were some people who were very bitter and said, I'll never buy another Lacey J record again and stuff no, like that. Goodness. And I thought, you know, I, that's your privilege. I'm not going to buy somebody's product if I don't like what they're saying. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. It's perfectly fine. It doesn't hurt me at all. You, If you don't agree and you don't think uh, that what I'm saying is important or is offensive to you, and I didn't ever mean it to be offensive. When I write these activist songs that I do write, I don't mean to be offensive. What I mean to say is we know better. We all know better. We know what, we know the law. We know that the the law, and particularly in this country, which is a Christian country, mm-hmm. is love God with all your heart, mind, and spirit. Love yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that's the whole of the law. And all the other laws of life are based upon it. And that is what the man who wrote that good advice said. Mm-hmm. That great rebel. That great revolutionary. Mm-hmm. Thousands of years ago. That's what he said. That's the whole of the law. Mm-hmm. So if we know if we're not doing that simple, it's not easy to do. I think one of the hardest parts of that uh, advice is to love ourselves. It's a whole lifetime we spend, you know, learning how to love ourselves, even the, the dark and itty, the awful parts of ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. learn that, that everybody has those. We're all like that. We all have those dark places. Mm-hmm. We just have to look at them and know they're there. We don't have to act on them. We don't have to do anything. But I, I feel like I'm preaching. I don't mean to be No, preaching. no. I, I love you know, I. That's, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad that you. I'm glad that you're talking about it. And you know, love yourself, love others, treat people with kindness. How you want to be treated. I mean, that's how I was raised. <laughs> you know, regardless. Well, and most of us, most of us were, and all of us, almost all of us, know better. Yeah. When we're being racially prejudiced, and we're putting down people, and we're being judgy, and we're judging everybody on everything all the time, that's not the way we're supposed to act. Mm-hmm. That is not the way. 
and we know it. We have a conscience, most of us. Some people, I believe, probably somehow do not. Mm-hmm. You know, some of those people who are just wired wrong and chemically imbalanced to the point where they can't function. There mm-hmm. are people who don't have that. But for the most part, we know, we know when we're judging other people and putting other people down and trying to feel superior for whatever reason. You know, I feel particularly um, uh, about gay and trans people. I feel that we are particularly judgy of those people, and that's not what he said. He said, love God with all your heart, mind, and spirit, love yourself, and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And I once said that, I have a song now called The Devil by a Different Name. Mm-hmm. And I introduce it by saying what I just said to you. Mm. And it addresses a lot of those things. It it, it, it talks about, it, well, I'll just give you one of the verses or two so you know what I'm talking about. It'll go, it goes, um, call me whiskey, call me wine. Call me cocaine or codine, call me power, call me fame. I'm just the devil by a different name, boys. The devil by a different name. And the second verse is, Mm -hmm. call me left wing, call me right. We are split right down the middle in this fight. Divided we fall, that rule don't change. It's just the devil by a different name, boys. The devil by a different name. And the chorus goes, this wicked world is dancing with the devil. In a wild and crazy hurdy-gurdy dance, caught up in the frenzy and the revel, there's a dreadful price to pay for this romance. And, there's, and the rest of the song addresses, call me brown skin, call me white. Call me um, imam, call me priest. Call me gay boys, call me straight. Mm-hmm. And the last verse is about women. And when I do that song, I introduce it just the way I did with you, with the advice from that great outlaw and revolutionary teacher who knew someday we'd need to be hearing that again. And we certainly need to be hearing that now with the division in this country. We need to learn how to build bridges. We don't need to be building walls. I'll never forget the happiest day in my life was when the Berlin Wall came down. That was, I was so happy to see those people free and able to come and go as they please. Now, I will get a lot of flack about this, but the bottom line is, we need to understand. We need to build bridges. If we are to love God with all our heart, mind, and spirit, love ourselves and our neighbors ourselves, it's not really doing that a whole bunch. You need to get back to ground zero, and that's what it is. It's right there. But I really am enjoying hearing your perspective and hearing your story and your thoughts. Um, and you just have such a beautiful heart. Like I said in the beginning of this show, you just you love people. And I am a fan of yours. And really quickly, speaking of fans, um, we did have a fan message here pop up that I would love to share with you real quick, if you don't mind. Oh, I'd love it. Thank oh, you. Oh, perfect, perfect. Um, so this is from Michelle Lee, who's also, you know, an independent artist, um, who is a huge fan of yours. So she says, hi, Miss Dalton. Uh, you are one of my very favorite artists and one of the most gifted and unique voices to ever grace the country music industry. I am definitely an admirer. My question is this. 
When you look back on your career, what do you feel is your single greatest accomplishment, and what's one thing you wish that you had done vastly different? P.S. I wore a hole in my black coffee cassette, my very first, my very favorite song of yours. Even used it as a guide to help me structure my black ink song. <laughs> well, uh, Michelle, um, let me just say this. Uh, the one thing that I wish I had done differently uh, is that I wish that I had had a really good career in business and computers <laughs> because I would be a lot better off if I had a degree in marketing and really knew how to uh, do all the social media stuff that you guys do without thinking about it. You know, that's the stuff that, um, you know, uh, I just, I'm a kind of a, can be a reclusive person. I kind of can live under a rock from time to time. But um, uh, I think that's somewhat sometimes the nature of writers. And um, but, but if I were to change something, that's what I would change. And I think one of the greatest parts of my life was getting to go to tour Europe um, with some of my favorite. I, I was attracted back to country. I grew up in a country music family, but I was drawn back to country music from many other kinds of music that I was doing by the Outlaws, by Waylon and Willie and the Boys. And that's still the country music that I love the best. You know, uh, songs like uh, Poncho and Lefty and, and um, The Highwaymen. Songs like that were the songs that, um, you know, Good Hearted Woman, just those wonderful music out of Texas. That was the music that literally pulled me back to country music and because I was signed as an outlaw artist in 1979 to CBS Records, and they even had me even change my name so I sounded more like an outlaw. <laughs> uh, I got to tour for long periods of time with with um, people like Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard, and long periods of time with uh, with uh, Hank Williams Jr., which was a huge and wonderful tour with the best equipment you could ever imagine in these huge stadiums and so on. But I think one of the, probably the high point of my career, and I, I just received a, a platinum record for doing a duet with Willie Nelson called Slow Moving Outlaw on his um, Half Nelson CD that went platinum. And I was very honored to receive that because I happened to have been the only woman on the project. And that was a great step forward, I think, for women. And I think women have come such a long way in country music. I mean, they are, uh, there were always great women in country, always. Yeah. But now I think there, there are many, many more than there were. I'm glad to see that women are, um, I believe in woman power. I mean, look at you. 24 years old, you have your own, own network, you've got all this stuff, branding with cosmetics and all this stuff. Women are amazing. Women are uh, are so, it, well, the, here's, here's what I said in, in, my, in my song, The Devil by a Different Name. I go, mm-hmm. um, I'm a woman. I am strong. But I've been told that I am less than for so long. Eve ate an apple. They say we're to blame. That's just the devil by a different name, boys. The devil by a different name. I love that. Because women are, women are, in my estimation, a great hope in this world. We are the nurturers. We are the healers. We are the peacemakers. We're taught from the time we're little girls, make peace. 
to make. I'm not sure how that's really good for us. I think sometimes <laughs> we have to learn how not to do that. But, <laughs> but the bottom line is it's natural for uh, many women to be caring and nurturing and be a fabulous balance for the men who run the world. We're, we need to be in balance with men. That's I don't right. think we need to be stronger. I don't think we need to be more than, but we need to be a balance. It needs to be balanced. Our world is out of balance. All these wars, I don't think very many, well, well Margaret Thatcher may be me, <laughs> exception to the rule, but I don't, I think if, if we had more women running countries and deciding on wars, we we might have a more peaceful world. I, it's always been my hope that that will be. And I think, uh, you know, I can't wait until we have our first uh, woman uh, president of the United States. I can't mm-hmm. wait. I hope that I live long enough to see that. Mm-hmm. You know, I know she's out there somewhere. Yes. And, uh, there. and I, I look forward to, to seeing who she is and how she will do. Oh, yes. Yes. I agree. Absolutely, absolutely, and great question, Michelle Lee. But I wanted to thank you so, so much for joining me today. I truly appreciate it. And before you go, can you please give out your website and social networking sites so people can catch up with you? We are Lacey J, and it's L-A-C-Y, letter J, Mm -hmm. D-A-L-T-O-N dot org. And that is, and the Facebook's just Lacey J Dalton. And uh, we have the Leonard Martin Foundation, which is our foundation for wild horses, is uh, can be accessed from LaceyJDalton.org, which is probably the best way to do it because you'll probably forget what what a stupid name I picked. <laughs> people say people say, oh, we love your Let It Run Foundation, and I think that sounds like a toilet. No, no. <laughs> but it's let them run, and the reason we called it that was I wrote a song for the advocacy groups up here in Nevada who were trying to save the wild horses, and that song is called Let Them Run, and so we were looking for a name for our 501c3 way back in 2003, and um, and we uh, we chose that name. Um, oh, I, love it. I don't think people, even though I've talked about it now, People will still have a hard time remembering. I have a friend. She has another organization called Wild Horses in Need, and her her letters are WIN, W-I-N. And that's a great organization and a great name for an organization. I always wish I had a little more presence of mind when we were naming, when we were naming ours. But that's, we, you know, let them run. We do a, a lot of work with small groups who don't have the time to raise a lot of money right. because they're doing the hard work of rehabilitating and rehoming. Um, uh, horses and so that is our mission at Let Em Run but thank it. you so much I'm so grateful for your oh. time on your show and I'm so, it's so nice to make your acquaintance Josie and I really hope that I, I get to meet you in real life someday and yes. get to get to see you Oh, I would love it. And the pleasure was all mine. Thank you so much for taking time out of your out of your day to chat with me. It was so great getting to know you and know your mind. You are just a beautiful person, and I'm happy to call you a friend now. So thank you so, so much. And please come back on anytime, okay? Thank you so much, Josie, and you have a great day and um, a big, wonderful hug for all your listeners. I love it. Feel that hug, that Lacey J. Dalton hug, everybody. All right, bye. <laughs> thank you.
I love chatting with Lacey J. Dalton. Everyone, please make sure you check her out now everywhere. Um, all right. My next interview is with Bobby G. Rice. So I hope you enjoyed this interview. This one's also a really good one. Here we go. Please welcome to the Josie Show my guest, Bobby G. Rice. Hi. Hello, Josie. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me today. I've been looking forward to this. Well, you're welcome. I've been looking forward to uh, to the interview. Yes, <laughs> I love that. Um, I'm just so excited to talk to you because you've had an amazing history in music. For those who do not know, they should know, but for those who may not, um, between 1970 and 1988, you released nine albums and charted 30 songs on the Billboard Hot Country Singles Chart, with your biggest hit being You Lay So Easy on My Mind in 1973. So before we lay into all of that and talk a little bit more about your history, I want to kind of rewind. When did you start making music initially? When did you realize this was what you wanted to do? Well, uh, Josie, I was uh, like like a lot of artists out there. I was raised uh, in the music business uh, in my home state of Wisconsin. Uh, my family was in music, and so they just took me, you know, took me along, and, <laughs> and uh, I I started singing. You know, we played locally there in Wisconsin, and and we did a uh when i was probably 567 uh in there we had a weekly radio show in uh, uh Richmond Center Wisconsin which was WRCO and so we would go there uh every week for i guess for about 7 years mm-hmm. uh we would go there and do this live radio show and um, so I went uh, through the years there. But when I got uh, in into my teens, um, actually, uh, uh, I was a sophomore in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I moved from uh, one one place in Wisconsin, the uh, Richmond Center, to Madison, and then uh, I was there. Uh, as I got uh, older, there I uh, we we didn't perform as a family like we did early on because some of the uh, family uh, you know was decided not to be in music and so forth. Gotcha. So uh, so I played uh, locally in Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, you know never really. Josie, uh, I guess, had uh, dreams or thought about, you know, having a uh, recording career. I I was enjoying singing and also playing instruments. Uh, I played bass and uh, rhythm guitar, like that, acoustic. And I got into steel guitar uh, early on in the 60s. And so, uh, in fact, I have one today. Uh, as of a few months ago, I hadn't played for years, but uh, mm-hmm. I. Uh, so I enjoyed, uh, you know, that during the '60s of uh, 
singing, uh, had my own band, and then when I wasn't singing, I, I would sit down, play seal, and back up. Wow. So, so I got to do, uh, I guess, both uh, then. And uh, so what changed course there and I guess started me thinking about coming to Nashville and, and you know, make, trying to do something. Um, I was on to a friend of mine that had Bobby Hodge mm-hmm. uh, had worked the Opry down here and had some success. And he was saying, you know, that I should, you know, check into that. So I, um, I had connected with uh, Donald Riss and Charlie Fields. They heard that I was going to, I had a session set up here, didn't know what I was going to do. I had a custom session set up to uh, cut four songs, and uh, uh, Donald Riss, the program director at uh, WMAD in Madison, heard about it and so he got a hold of me and he said hey this uh, I'm writing with Charlie Fields and we've been having some success here in Nashville we wrote big rig rolling man for Johnny mm-hmm. Dollar so we started that I I decided to start writing with them and so we wrote uh, I, I guess you know 68 69 we come down to Starday Studios here in Nashville yeah. and uh, then I decided to to see to do a what they call a master session and uh, I, I cut four songs down here one of them being Sugar Shack uh, mm-hmm. uh, which was a cover song and I cut it country that was released on Royal American Records, which was a hot independent at that time. Yes. And so it went to 32 in Billboard. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Can't go wrong with that. So uh, <laughs> that, you know, they signed me, and and that was, I'm probably telling you more on what you want to know. No, right? I love this. No, I love this. This is amazing. I love seeing how, you know, how it was for you back then and how you've evolved. That's so cool. I love this story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to say, uh, well, it, it, it was my, my first attempt to see if I could get on a, a label, mm-hmm. uh, you know, worked out for me. Capital was interested and mm-hmm. uh would have done something, but they it would have been like six months or a year, you know. Uh. And uh, but yeah, that uh, with uh, Royal American Records, uh, there with Sugar Shack, that was um, you know a, a, a niche for me, uh, you know, something that was working uh, to redo. Those old, as they were referred to as rock songs, yeah. uh, and and to bring those back country, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I followed that with about six other ones, uh, like Hey Baby, mm-hmm. uh, Lover Please, Mount of Love, 
uh, Mountain of Love was the first song that I sang on the Grand Ole Opry in uh, 71 wow. at the Ryman. And uh, then I'd done Suspicion, which uh, Eddie Rabbit was around and and was writing and stuff. He sang harmony on it. And oh, wow. uh, <laughs> That's okay. then, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so those... Uh, you know, uh, and also with uh, uh, Royal American, there Dick Hurd headed up that label, and then he went to Metro Media Country, uh, which uh, also was over there. Mel Street had uh, was having his hits, "Loving on Back Street," you know, "Borrowed Angel," and uh, so. Uh, that's when uh, we released, which was my first original uh, that uh, I wrote with Donald Riss and Charlie Fields, which was ELA So Easy Am I Mine. And uh, that turned out to be my biggest uh, mm-hmm. single release out there and what, what some people call your signature song. That, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's a good one. I mean, it still it still goes strong, and it's you know a song that gets passed down from generations to generations that still you know to this day everybody can enjoy, and it's an incredible song. We are going to play that a little bit later on in the show for those who want to hear it. We will play it for you here at the Josie Show. But I mean, you have seen a lot of changes over the years in the music business, being in there for so long. What is one thing that maybe you miss the most about the way things used to be done? Is there anything? I, I miss doing, uh, you know, back back then in, in the 70s especially and, and 80s, but there was uh, there were a lot of package shows. I was with Buddy Lee Attractions and uh, Joe Taylor Agency and uh, the different ones. So if it was really nice. I really enjoyed being able to work with all the different artists, right? You know, and and to be packaged together. Now, uh, and, and, and another thing is the uh, TV shows. You know, like the uh, which I've worked uh, like Nashville now. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, that went went into the eighties too, but. Uh, different shows like that, the Wilburn Brothers show, uh, that Nashville music, Hee Haw, uh, I mean, you've you got all those uh, different shows that that come out of here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I will say uh, uh, Ralph Emery was uh, certainly uh, a, a factor in in me having a career because mm-hmm. I used to go up when I had Sugar Shack. Uh, I would go up to WSM up there where he he had his uh, um, all night show, his radio show, yeah. and of course that beamed out fifty thousand watts, clear channel. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went up. I would go up there, and there'd be like Marty Robbins would be up there, and different different artists and uh uh you know hoping to uh get 
if you were a new artist like I was, that that he would uh, like your song and and would play it. And he uh, he did that. He uh, he started playing my songs, and uh, certainly uh, that that was a big help uh, for me to get to get me going. And I also done his TV show, Ralph Emery morning show i done nashville now and uh that uh that was a big help absolutely absolutely that was huge huge help um and you know you th- those are the type of people you will never forget you know what i mean <laughs> those who have helped you out along the way um on yes. your on your musical journey and then of course you know more recently you have such so many great music out there there's one song that we love called living together loving apart uh, that we also are going to play. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about this song? Yes, uh, that that song was was uh, produced by Nelson Larkin, who had produced uh, two top ten uh, Billboard hits on me prior to that song uh, on GRT uh, called "Write Me a Letter" and "Frida Comes, Frida Goes." Mm-hmm. And uh, Nelson, uh, I was on uh, his uh, af- after GRT mm-hmm. records. Uh, Nelson had started; he was going to start his own label, which uh, was Sunbird Records. So he uh, wanted me to um, sort of talk to uh, Earl Thomas Conley. Yeah. Earl, Earl was around uh, the label there that I was with, Metro Media Country, then GRT, and and uh, Earl wrote a couple of songs. Uh, the, you make it so easy that I recorded, and so I was around uh, with uh, Earl. Uh, he was, of course, writing then and. Uh, fix him to, uh, you know, have his own uh, recording career. So uh, Earl and I, um, uh, on Sunbird Records, Nelson and uh, Earl got a deal with RCA. Yeah. And at, at that time, uh, Living Together and Loving Apart was released and got in Billboard. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it it uh, got in Billboard, and then when uh, when Nelson and Earl got that, you know, deal with RCA, Nelson, well, they dropped their label. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, but that song, um, I really enjoyed doing that uh, song. It was cut at Scruggs Studio, so. It never really got a chance to see how far that would go. Right. You know, but, yeah, it was written by Mary Welch, and uh, there's another writer there. But, uh, yeah. Very cool. That's very cool. I love that. That's amazing. You know, and and all of your music is incredible. It really is. And they can find it everywhere music is sold and streamed online, right? People will be able to find you. Yeah, we're, uh, you know, I've. Of course, I have my website there, but I'm I'm on the different platforms. Yeah. 
my music, a lot of it's up on YouTube also. They'll be able to find yeah. you. <laughs> You're everywhere. That's, that's the cool thing about you is even if you type in Bobby G. Rice on YouTube <laughs> or Google, um, you come up, all of your music, you know, everything they need to know. And also give out your website so people can go and find you, find you on your website as well. Right, yes. Just, of course, simply BobbyGRice.com. Perfect. And, uh, yeah, I have some some albums on there and that, that people can can purchase if they'd like. Yeah. Perfect. Do it. Do it, everybody. Do it. I, I promise you, you will not regret it. Um, check out all of the music. And, of course, we will play You Lay So Easy on My Mind and Living Together, Loving Apart here on the show. But then you have to go and download, stream it, buy it, and go to the website. Uh, first and foremost, please make sure you go and show your support for Bobby G. Rice because he's an incredible artist. He really is. And uh, we just love you here. And so I also wanted to ask you if you are currently working on any new music that you could tell us about. Have you been have you been working on some new music that maybe you can give us a little sneak peek about? <laughs> well, uh, Josie, yes. Uh, uh, thankfully, all, all all along here, uh, now it's 52 years that mm-hmm. you know that that I've been active. Uh, yes, I've been doing, uh, cutting some new songs, uh, and, uh, been on, uh, been with, uh, Alan Carl Century 2 Records mm-hmm. and, uh, putting out, uh, songs to radio. And, uh, the, the latest one that I have, I, I co-wrote, uh, with, uh, Bob Ham and Ray, Ray Grisell. We wrote a lot of songs in the early uh, 2000 and uh, it's a duet with Wendy Carter it's called where love has never been Ooh. and that that's the uh, current single fantastic fantastic everyone check that out i'm looking forward to any new music you have coming out we'll We'll definitely promote it here at the show and on all of our socials. We love following your journey and keeping up with what you do. Um, I've known you. I've known you for a while. I've known about you for a while because I think the first time that I met you was at the Troubadour there in Nashville. It was Texas Troubadour at the time. But yes, and you were just incredible. You were just the sweetest, sweetest man, and I just love chatting with you. And I hope everyone gets to know you and and knows more about you. And I want to thank you so much for joining me. And before you go, can you please let everyone know where they can find you on all the social networking sites? Because I know you're also on Facebook. Yes, I'm on Facebook there and uh, like Twitter and, and Instagram, but I haven't been active on that. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> and, of course, my uh, website. Perfect. Everyone, check him out. And, Bobby, thank you so much for joining me. I truly appreciate it. Well, you're welcome, Josie, and I appreciate you having me on your show. Congratulations on everything you're doing there. Oh, uh, thank you. Your show, you're you're doing a lot for the music business. Thank you. Coming from you, that that means a lot. (laughs) That's that's that's, see, that made my day. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. (laughs) You're welcome. Oh, we just love you, Bobby G. Rice. All right. I know y'all are ready for some music. 
All right, here we go. Here is the first song we're going to play from Bobby G. Rice, Living Together, Loving Apart. And we'll be right back in just a moment. So stay right with us. Here we go. close out with uh, Bobby G. Rice's number one hit, You Lay So Easy on My Mind. We'll play that here to close out the show. But I want to thank you all so much for tuning in and listening to both of these great interviews. And thank you so much to both my guests, Lacey J. Dalton and Bobby G. Rice, two incredible, incredible acts. Um, so please make sure you check out both of them and their music out right now, available everywhere. And make sure you find them on their websites and Facebook and all of the great socials out there. And thanks, y'all, for tuning in. And I hope you guys have a great rest of your Thursday night. 
and a great weekend ahead. All right, here it is. You lay so easy on my mind. Good night, everyone. You lay so easy on my mind. Oh, so easy on my mind. Whenever I need you, all I have to do is close my eyes. You lay so easy on my mind. Yes, so easy on my mind Wrap me in your warmness And let me feel your body touching mine Everything you say and do Find me wanting more of you And each moment brings to life a million dreams Heaven is something real, it's something I can feel, when I feel your angel touch all over me. You lay so easy on my mind, yes, so easy on my mind. Oh, there's not a part of me that your sweet love don't. Every day I need you more You're the one I'm living for And the best you ever give You've given me You completely satisfy every need I have inside, and I pray you'll never take your love from me. You lay so easy on my mind, oh so easy on my mind. There's not a part of me that your sweet love don't. No, there's not a part of me that your sweet love don't reach to satisfy. The Josie Show is copyrighted property of the Josie Network of Brands. It may not be duplicated, altered, or edited, sold, or aired without written consent from the Josie Show owners. Any copyright infringement of the Josie Show will be subject to legal actions.